Critical Cult Chunks. You're listening to No Hugging, No Learning, 92.5. Critical Chunks. Critical Chunks. Your home for Critical Chunks. Your home for Critical Chunks in the morning. <laughs> I'm Critical and I'm Chunks. <laughs> Wait, who's who? I, in this case, I think these days I'm probably Chunks. <laughs> you can be critical. I'm, I'm Critical, he's Chunks. <laughs> What's going on, Chunks? What sick shit you get into this weekend? Oh, bro. I was watching a basketball game, and you will not believe this. You will not believe this. First of all, dude, what, it was what, a women's... Did you get a boner? You got a boner, didn't you? You got a boner, I, didn't you? Dude, I always have a boner 24-7. You what? know that. Boner check-in <laughs> brought to you by Blue Chew. <laughs> but dude and dude paper, get some man paper in your bathroom. Uh, forget what the <laughs> chicks think. It's all about the man paper. All about uh, that man paper, baby. Well, should we just kind of like get into things and then you can get back to uh, dad mode? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> in a in a reversal, Ted asked me if we're ready to get going. So welcome <laughs> to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about season six, episode five, The Freak Book. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Lefty Call, we had no homework, and there's no book, so that that's it. <laughs> there was no... <laughs> that's it. I couldn't find any trivia it. about it. Um, so, yeah. Is there any continuity notes for our new segment? No, I didn't. I, <laughs> believe it or not, there was no no need to curb your uh, continuity. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Okay, we might end up with a shorty today. So uh, if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 25 minutes pre-edit being uh, a lot of just research. And no, I can't even say that today. Just being a lot of bullshit. Uh, Us talking about our weekends and uh, talking about rock morning shows again. Uh (laughs) Yeah, it's a shorty if you're not a patron. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a longy if you are. I, I, no, it's not a longy. It's a normally if you are a yeah. patron. Um, but uh, if you want uh, if you want all that bullshit, uh, I'll, I'll get into where you can join us coming up in a, a couple of minutes. But uh, I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last six mm, s- sixteen years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at no hugging on Twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on apple podcasts if you like what you hear please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts or a five-star rating over on spotify if you use either of those apps if you like us a little bit more this is where you can uh, join us for all that bullshit like i said just a second ago you can join us over on patreon.com it's patreon.com slash no hugging where for five bucks a month you can join the it's a hyundai tier and that's going to get you early access to extended versions of our episodes you can join nate collins tamara ortiz the guys and gals over at the idiotville podcast john and kathleen murphy tim's dad and mom because there is no password sharing allowed We've also got Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, J. Lord Condog, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much. Again, patreon.com slash nohugging for, ex- for early access of extended versions of our episodes. And also, we've got 
movie reviews from the Seinfeld Extended Cinematic Universe. I think I did that entire thing, <laughs> and uh, you were not on the call for that. <laughs> yes, I missed it, but shout out it's to okay. the patrons. You, you know what I said. You know <laughs> <Yes>. what I said. <laughs> yeah. Came in right at the end of it. We're like, wow, that's uh, that's actually really convenient. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah, patreon.com slash no hugging. All of that being said, season six, episode five. Do I got that right, or is it five, six? Six, five. Six, five. Season six, episode five. The Freak Book. Original air date, October 7th, 2007. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see a book about freaks coupled with a chauffeur's incapacity sets Larry up for a string of ejections. Wow. That's not bad. That is not bad. A string of ejections. When have you ever heard it put that way? Never. I I like it. A string of ejections. It's not... It, I, it might be... We'll, we'll see at the end how just how good it is if it holds up, but I think it's going to, but we'll get into that at the end of the episode. We open at home where Larry is looking through the titular freak book. It is his birthday gift to Ted Danson. Uh, Cheryl is all ready for the birthday party. She is talking about the cemetery plots that they just got. That deal went through, and so now they're going to be buried next to Ted and Mary and Jeff and Susie, and they are taking a car service to the party so that they can have a good time and drink and not worry about it. I guess this was pre-Uber, uh, even in L.A., 2007. So <laughs> you got to hire it, an actual limo. Is it pre-taxi? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I guess feel if you're like gonna, taxis were around for a very long time. If you're going to call somebody anyway and you're a billionaire, I'd, I'd go with limo anyway. But I wouldn't actually request limo. I'd request, like, town car. Like, can you just bring, yeah, just bring a, a Lincoln. nice Lincoln? Yeah. Thank you. Yes, we said it exactly. We think exactly the same way. <laughs> um, but no, they need a stretch limo so to show up to Ted's party. So let me let me let me just talk about this titular freak book for a second and ask you if you would be into this as much as Larry is, or where do you stand on? I don't know. Is it body horror or freak shows in general? What do you think? Um, I feel like I actually would kind of like this because this just makes me think of like a Ripley's Believe It or Not or a Guinness World Record book or something. Yeah, yeah, probably that. I don't, but this kind of thing is always like I'm not even a big fan of body horror movies, and this kind of stuff is always just kind of giving me the the oogies. I, I'm, I don't know. I hmm, okay. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the carnival freak show kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I it's the 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 grotesque does its job on me. <laughs> You know, some uh, people like to challenge themselves with that kind of stuff, but I'm not one of those. The limo driver, by the way, came to the door. I got to mention, did you recognize this guy? I did, but I wasn't sure who he was. This he looks familiar. The great Toby Huss, and I'm not sure where you recognize him from, but fans of the podcast might recognize him as the guy who is the whiz on Nobody Beats the Wiz commercials from Seinfeld Season oh 9, Episode God, 5. yeah. The junk mail, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's him, but also I'm sure I mentioned this when we talked about him in our recap of that episode. He is already the strongest man in the world from The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which was one of my favorite shows on Nickelodeon growing up. Yeah, and, and just he's been... I was looking at his IMDb last night, and basically if you have good taste you have seen several toby huss vehicles because he's just had one role in literally every single show that i've ever watched like children's hospital uh king of the hill he's been on 
uh, Reno 911, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, he's in Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which I still haven't gotten around to watch. Uh, he is in he's in Halloween, the 2018 Halloween movie. He is he uh, on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He was on an episode. He was on Veep for two episodes. He was I mean just this guy has just worked a ton. He was in the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot, which mm-hmm. was horrible, which I don't remember. Doctor Ken with fellow Curb alum Ken Jeong. Uh, he was on that, um, you know, so just Key and Peele, like literally the guy. And that's just like going back to, you know, yeah. the 2000s. So he's just worked uh, a ton for, uh, you know, his entire career, which is awesome. He's very funny, it seems like. So at Ted and Mary's, Larry and Cheryl pull up in their limo. And Larry's kind of unnerved that the driver has nothing to do while they're inside. He doesn't have a book. He's not going to listen to the radio because that'll drain the battery over three hours. And he's just going to like, he doesn't have a puzzle. <laughs> He doesn't have anything to do. He's just going to sit there for three hours. And he's he's telling Larry, maybe it's like kind of a theme of this episode, like service industry workers telling Larry, don't worry about me. This is my job. Yeah, don't, I do don't this worry all about the time. Me. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting paid to, to do to do exactly the thing that you don't think I should be doing. Yeah, um, this, this is my job. I am OK. Yeah, because it's going to happen one other time. And but Larry is like, you know, and almost berating the guy semi under his breath. But so the guy can hear is like, this guy's just going to stare out the window. I'm not going to do anything. Well, we're, he's like grumbling about it as they're leaving the car and like, you know, denigrating the guy for just being comfortable in, in his job the way he wants to do it and not the way yeah. Larry wants him to do it. <laughs> uh, so inside, Larry is greeting Mary. And they're talking about the cemetery plots and how they're all going to be buried next to each other and, and the guests that he doesn't want to say hello to. He doesn't like anybody. Uh, and so he's just going to go get a drink. It's interesting that Larry and Cheryl are like going to plan to get blacked out, drunk, and not be able to drive home. Where Larry is like said before that he just doesn't drink. But maybe we know he started drinking kind of after he went to Arizona and became Christian for a weekend. Um, so maybe he really took to it after that because... You know, he even has this nice giant bar in his house that we're going to see later. He's like really into drinking now. This is a little bit of a change. Uh, or it could be just a one episode plot device. Who knows? Uh, probably the probably the latter or the former. I mean, no, the latter. Probably the latter. And we get a, as the bartender asks him how he's doing, we get a pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the bartender lets Larry know after he asks that the bow tie, he's wearing it. The bartender's wearing a bow tie at the request of Mr. Danson. That they get a work order and, you know, bow tie or no bow tie is, is a selection and and the dancing selected bow tie. And so Larry insists that he wants to have a word with oh Mr. Danson. God. This was and- <laughs> infuriating because between Larry and the bartender, this went on for so long. And I know we talked about this early on in, uh, in the run of the show. People yeah. who aren't necessarily the best at improv, they don't really know how to add new information to a, a back and forth but that person in this instance was larry weirdly enough it yes. just kept circling and circling and circling and circling until larry finally left because it, it just got to the point where like larry's saying well I'm, I'm gonna say something to him and the bartender is like well if you're doing it for me i would ask that you don't <laughs> and Larry's like, well i'm going to but don't well i'm going to but don't well i'm going to but please don't that's true i could feel a dragging i enjoyed it more than most of those types of interactions that you're referring to for whatever reason i don't know why i really enjoyed the cringe of this because the the bartender instantly he thought i'm just i'm not telling anybody anything that's going to affect i'm like i'm just letting people know how the business works 
and he told the absolute wrong person, the only wrong person in the entire room that he could yeah. tell that information you, you found, to. <laughs> you found the one person that you should not tell how your job works yeah. because they will find the one piece to nitpick and obsess over all night long. And Larry thinks he, just like a little bit, well, no, just like, I won't even say a little bit, just like with the limo driver and the bartender, he thinks he's being altruistic. Because like you said, I did love this exchange because he goes, I'm doing this for you. And the bartender is like, if you're doing this for me, I'll ask that you not do it. And Larry goes, all right, I'm doing it for me. <laughs> he's just like bored rich guy who needs to fuck with his friends. That's yeah, what it is. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I love that when he was, was just straight like, okay, I'm doing it for me. <laughs> um, and so Larry does go over to Ted and he does, you know, he does exchange. He doesn't get dig right into the bartender. He wishes him happy birthday and, you know, references a party. And then he, then he digs into the bartender. He's like, you know, and he did tell the bartender, and he does kind of stick to not implicating the bartender that it was his idea in any way. Ted does go down that path, and Larry goes, no, no, I, it's, it wasn't him at all. This is just me talking. So Larry does not throw him under the bus, but he does say that Ted's kind of putting on airs by making the bartender wear a bow tie and asks if he can take it off, and Ted says no. And we get a, some great... You know, mid two thousands humor when Larry keeps ask, keeps asking Ted if no bow tie is his final answer, and then uh. Ted finally goes, "Yeah, boom, no deal, final answer, whatever you want to hear." And I'm like, "Oh, Jesus, Christ. prime time game shows of the yeah. early two thousands. <laughs> we're, we're working in two game show references here, baby. Exactly. Yeah, I just remember like, you know, finally all all of the catchphrases that people dropped into conversation." Uh, that came out of who wants to be a millionaire like final answer or the let's only, let's the ask only the audience way, only, way friend. Could, only way they could plus this up is uh uh ted saying larry your suggestion is the weakest link uh. <laughs> or or maybe later on whenever he kicks him out you are the weakest link goodbye larry oh my gosh that would have been a perfect callback oh. God. I mean, it would have really dated the episode and been horrible yeah, today, but it would have been the perfect callback in 2007. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, so we had we were just dealing with the who wants to be a millionaire catchphrases. Can I phone a friend uh, being dropped into everyday conversation and then deal or no deal hit the scene and it was no deal and stuff like that. So Ted does relent to Larry's request that he brings his driver in. He's got this guy out in the car. He's going to be out there for three hours. He doesn't have a book or anything. And Larry's like, I used to drive limos, so I know how boring it can be. And Ted's kind of interested in that. And I thought this was funny. He was like, oh, did you wear a bow tie? <laughs> and Larry goes, no, I drove for a blind woman. She didn't care. The car looked like a mess. I didn't have to wear the uniform. But that's a different story. And Ted relents to, laugh. okay, fine. Yeah, the, bar the, the driver can come in. Just put him in the kitchen in a corner or something like that. How this guy being in the house doing nothing and being in the limo doing nothing is different. I have no idea, but to yeah. Larry's mind, it is. Cut to Ted opening his birthday gifts like he is a five-year-old okay. in front I of the party. <laughs> I'm glad you noted that, too, because literally how I wrote it in my notes, Ted opening his presents in front of everyone like it's an eight-year-old's birthday party <laughs> at a roller skating rink. Yeah, although I will say this. I was shocked when I first had, uh, you know... When I had a kid that first started going to birthday parties, that that's not a staple of the birthday party anymore. R good. It shouldn't be. It yeah. never should have been. <laughs> I, I kind of liked it as a kid. I can understand like kids wanting to see what other kids get because that's kind of cool. Or see the excitement on their face when they open whatever 
uh, you gave them. That's always cool too. But what I think it is, is, you know, you go to these birthday parties at a skating rink or a jumpy place or, or a museum or whatever, and you have like 90 minutes. Like, how do you yeah. want to spend that time? Do you want to spend 30 to 45 minutes of it opening 15 presents? Or do you want yeah. to just put them in you, the trunk? you want to spend it like out on the floor on the jumpy stuff and on yeah. the trampolines? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that it's, it's sort of, you know, gone by the wayside, at least for elementary school kids, not for 60-year-old men, obviously, because <laughs> he has to open up his not birthday Not for 60-year-old men in 2007. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was still very en vogue. Jeff is there, and he's talking to Larry about the Paul McCartney concert they're going to tomorrow. Uh, Ted, meanwhile, opens up his Bono phone. That's the, what I heard. I was confused about this, although I have like a some memory of... I was going to write this down mostly just because we haven't had homework in a while, but I'm going to write down the Bono phone because I think this was like, you know, the parentheses red stuff. I think that was Bono's thing, and yeah. there was a special iPhone or something. Is that ringing a bell? Mm -hmm. To you, yeah, okay, so that's right, that's right, right? Yeah, I had okay. the uh, I had the product parentheses red iPod Nano. The, oh, there we the go. Video one, the square one, and I always got made fun of it because people thought it was pink. Oh, was it like a faded red, or they were just wrong? It was. It, I mean, they were eh, both half and half. <laughs> it was a. It was. It was definitely red, but it was like metallic. So yeah. the uh, light hits it, and it looks pink. I see. Yeah, I, I vaguely I like remember the color this. red. God damn it! <laughs> I vaguely remember this initiative, so I'm going to write it down. Uh, but I also was thinking, what a horrible gift a phone is. Like, oh, thank you for a cell phone that I have to activate now and pay for. What yeah, a, for real. <laughs> what a great gift! It's like it's it's the kind of thing you don't give to anybody because, and that's what it always blows my mind. I mean, families giving it to their kids or whatever, but you know, these commercials come out every Christmas of people giving phones to each other, and I'm like. Bad, bad gift. If they're not in your household and on your plan and you know the situation, it's just not a good gift because they're like, oh, this this phone was actually fine. And I have a lot of stuff on it that I, I you know, transferring is just they're trying to make it not as much of a chore, but it's nothing I want to do on, on a regular basis. Thanks to a gift. I just just don't give anybody a phone. But Ted Dancing got the Bono phone. And uh, one of the guest remarks that the proceeds of that phone go to AIDS in Africa and Larry pipes up and says, oh, that doesn't affect heterosexuals, though, right? Uh, like, Christ. what the hell? Like, even Andrew Dice Clay had to have given up that line of thought by 2007. I'm almost certain that, like, by that time, even he was like, all right, well, it's obviously not a... I, I just... it." And then Larry's... And everyone's mad at Larry, rightly so. And he's like, oh, come on, it was a joke, people. Meanwhile, like, Jeff geez. is literally the only other person who laughs. I did appreciate that. As much as I disliked the joke, I appreciated that that Jeff... I don't know if he was cracking up with the joke so much of the fact that Larry said it and sucked all the air out of the room. <laughs> like, it just, like, I think he was laughing at the He, he fact was laughing that, like, at the anti-joke. Yes. Yeah, I think so. He was laughing at the response and the fact that it's just not anything... It's, it wasn't funny and, I don't know, like... I don't think he was actually laughing at the joke. I think he was laughing at the fact that he said it, you know, uh, if I, if that makes any sense at all. No, but it also, makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, but also it just, uh, I mean, it's just not a, in 2007, nobody was, obviously no one was laughing at that. Like, it was, it was, it was of course, inappropriate in 87, but in 2007, even the, even the dumbest anti-gay comics had dropped that line of thinking about AIDS and, and that premise. But so Ted then opens his gift from Larry and it's, we now get a title of the book Mondo freaks. Oh, oh I didn't even see the title. 
Well, they said it uh, when he opens it up, Mondo Freaks. I'm going to write that down and, and see if it's a real book. Hopefully there's no, uh, you know, I won't do a, a Google image search for it, but I'll do a, a, you know, maybe Amazon or something like that and see if this is a real book. Mondo Freaks. And Ted is, you know, he's, you know, as gracious as you can be for a weird kind of gift like that. And thanks, Larry. But Larry gets up immediately and grabs it so that he and Jeff can boisterously flip through it, interrupting the party as Ted is opening his presents, just cracking up at and uh, and being disgusted at the pictures of freaks. But meanwhile, though, Larry's limo driver stumbles out and drunkenly knocks over a vase and breaks it. And then as he walks out the door, he assaults Mary Steenburgen. And so Ted kicks Larry and by extension, Cheryl out of the party uh, for his limo driver's actions and just everything in general. Larry has lost his party privileges and Larry and Cheryl then have to drive. As we find out, his name is Charlie home because he's too drunk to drive. And we see that Charlie does not have the best home life. Someone's dad yelling from the background. His wife, who is in a wheelchair, is berating him and uh, berating uh, Larry and Cheryl just a little bit, like thinking they were out partying with him or something. And Larry and Cheryl have no way to get home, so they're going to take the limo home. Uh, Back at home, Larry and Cheryl are getting ready for the Paul McCartney concert. And Larry does not want to be buried next to Ted anymore, he has decided after last night. Uh, And he wants to switch with Cheryl. But Cheryl says in order to do that, you need Susie's permission because that means then you'll be next to her. I thought all this focus on where your lifeless corpse was going to be was very odd. It's just not a line of thinking that I'm interested in at all. Like, I'm I'm definitely one of those people that I'm like, whatever is cheapest and easiest for you, (laughs) please do that. Rest assured, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, I I, I know... Uh, our family has like a couple of plots in like one cemetery. So, uh, yeah. but, but, but again, that's like back in, in my hometown, who knows yeah. where I'm going to be whenever I die. If, right. uh, if it's, if it's convenient to be, I don't know, buried somewhere across the country, I guess, I guess yeah. plot me there, but I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's better to be buried with your family. I have no idea. Yeah. I guess, I mean, the, the thinking is, you know, just anything you do with me after I'm gone, do it for you. Don't do it because you think I'm going to be. But, yeah. And I, I, I loved all the justification around this, too, of like in in uh, Larry saying that he didn't want to be buried next to Ted anymore. Yeah. He tries to get like Cheryl to switch with him and ultimately like Susie and Jeff to switch. Yeah. And Jeff is like, well, no, I need to be on the end because I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. my guy. You are dead in this scenario. It does not matter. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. Like, if if you need a huge mausoleum to walk into in order to mourn me, or you need me to be on a mountaintop with a beautiful view or whatever for you, go ahead and do that. If it if you're allowed to, like, dump my body in a creek and walk away, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Like, I'm, I'm sure Florida will probably make that <laughs> legal by then. Yeah. If it's, you know, if it's a nominal state fee to just put me in the river or something, like, I'm fine. Like, just do that and, like, you know, get a nice picture of me and hang it up or something. Get a get a park ranger pulling up to you. Hey, 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 did you pay the body tax? Oh, yeah, yeah see, here's my receipt. Okay, proceed. It's the game warden. Like, oh, is that tag? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have just, a human just, tag. Just, just tag, like, punch a hole through your ear and put a zip tie on it. Like, okay, good. <laughs> All right. Just as long as you're, you know, paid All up. All right. All right. Carry on, son. 
But I just want, because I know. I don't know, you know why I'm picturing like the game warden in this scenario just being like some old white dude. I yeah, mean, yeah. that that's very it's very likely, but yeah. <laughs> all, all right, carry on, son. Yeah, but just I mean, I don't want you to spend any more money on me. Like that's just cut me off, you know. And I'm I don't feel like I'm going to be treated any differently in the afterlife, depending on where my body ends up. Like just whatever whatever's cheapest, you know. That that's where I. So the fact that they're putting this much thought, like you said, in so we'll just you know, Jeff and Susie end up do showing up. And because he needs Susie's permission to switch with Cheryl, he starts buttering her up immediately. He knows oh where to... Yeah, there's wine. He's <laughs> saying, like, he really likes that shirt, the pink. And, and I think he says, like, the leather vest like looks really good on her. Yeah. He knows the first thing to start with is her fashion sense. Because as horrible as it is to normal people... She thinks she looks good all of the time. And so, yeah, she's dressed. Oh, you know, I was going for like a rock star thing. You know, she's got, like the, like you said, the leather vest and the pink. And and he's like, this is great. Oh, my gosh. This outfit's amazing. And um, and then he just sort of drops it casually into the conversation while they are toasting to friendship, as he says. And Jeff even clocks that as where he's like, to friendship? What? Larry David is is proposing a toast and it's to friendship. <laughs> what a weird. But then Larry's like, yeah, so you know what? Uh, I'm not going to be buried next to Ted anymore. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to switch with Cheryl, so I'll be next to you. And and uh, so that's the way. And Susie's like, whoa, 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 yeah. And Susie tracks that. You know, she she doesn't let Larry get away with just sort of dropping it into conversation. But that's how he was going to ask her for permission, just drop it into conversation. And if she missed it, then it, it'll be okay. But she's like, no, I'm I'm not okay with that. I don't want to be next to you. I want to be. And and then Jeff, like you said, has to be on the end because he's claustrophobic. So that's assuming that there's not going to be a body next to him that he doesn't know, you know, unless they bought a buffer plot. (laughs) So there will be no switching. And so Larry takes back everything he said about her outfit. He takes back the toast of friendship. (laughs) And I like that Jeff is now upset. He's like, no friendship? (laughs) Jeff is now upset that the toast has been taken away. Uh, And Larry storms out. But Leon took the car. I guess as a billionaire, you're still just going to be a one-car family. I suppose if you're environmentally conscious maybe maybe that was a cheryl decision like no we're gonna have one car it's gonna be a hybrid we don't need to put another car on the road in this environment larry has to take the limo and he's even this i enjoyed this little detail when it was first sort of uh, revealing itself he's dressed like a limo driver he has on like a white shirt and a black suit coat and black yeah, pants. We, we don't realize it until he's in the limo and he's driving around and the sun's in his eyes. So he, he just he just puts on the first thing to that he finds in the front seat to block his, his eyes from the sun, which is the limo driver's cap. Yeah. I with the sun was, visor on it. I thought that was hilarious. And it's at that point that Charlie calls and he apologizes for the way he acted the night before. But he needs Larry to pick up a VIP at the airport. He's got to be there in like 30 minutes. It's not time for Larry to go drop the limo. He's like, you've got to pick him up for me. And it's John McEnroe, the famous tennis player. And he's going to the Paul McCartney concert. So kind of a a spot of good luck for Larry. And so Larry, though, uh, is just talking John McEnroe's ear off in the limo. Just all sort, whatever (laughs) pops into his mind. My favorite is that Ping pong is his game, and that's harder than tennis, uh, he's got to say. And John McEnroe's <laughs> like, respectfully, i got to disagree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> and, but just like talking nonstop when John McEnroe just wants to relax on his way to the concert. But Larry 
is driving by his cemetery and he just tells me he needs to stop for like one or two minutes and to kill time he gives John McEnroe the freak book and Larry goes in and buys a new cemetery plot that's what he's doing he's looking at a new plot of land and he can't get a refund he can't like just switch straight up with the cemetery but he can sell the old plot privately so now it's going to be Jeff and Susie and Ted and Mary and Larry is relinquishing his his plot there and and settling into a new plot so that he doesn't have to be next to Ted Danson for eternity but it takes a little bit too long and John McEnroe leaves the limo to go find Larry and that's when another family this morning family that does not speak very much English gets into the limo I'm guessing they they were in the limo in front of Larry's limo because we see one pull away right before they right right before they uh get into the limo right Yes, I noticed that. And I wish there would have been a scene where at least some people got in that limo and it was kind of like a Home Alone situation where they were like, oh, we got everybody. okay." And then these stragglers showed up and got in the only limo that remained because someone was like, oh, yeah, just go. The limo is right over there. Go ahead and get in. And the one with at least some family members already pulled out. And so they. I wish there was a little bit more explanation for that because, yeah, that Larry pulls up behind the limo and then that limo pulls away and that family shows up immediately. It's just kind of weird. Um, the, like it, it maybe wondered did that limo driver just go, I'm not waiting anymore. Fuck this. Like, yeah, what? that's no, kind, you of, that's kind <laughs> of what you're left to believe It's like, yeah. did, did he just pull away with, with no one in his Nobody. car? Did he drop someone <laughs> off at the cemetery and think, well, I'm done. Yeah. Guess you're gone. <laughs> oh, well, the I'll tell you what running. they needed. I'll tell you what that driver needed was someone to care about what they're doing while they were waiting there. And he's exactly. like, no, fuck these people. I'm leaving them at the cemetery. If only they'd been like Larry. But so the, then John McEnroe shows back up and wonders why this huge family that is in tears uh, is in his limousine. And Larry finds out where their house is. And he's like, you know what? It, it's not far from the Staples Center. So we'll just we'll drop them off at their house. Uh, also, then continue this- on our way. Larry saying that flies in the face of what we know, and, and maybe this is something for for curb your continuity uh, for next week. Uh, Larry doesn't know where anything is in L.A. How does he? How is he like so quick to say, "Oh, well, that's actually right next to the Staples Center." <laughs> yeah, my guy, you don't know what a Walmart is. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't know you don't where know someone just goes and buys gift wrap. <laughs> That's true. Maybe he's learned a little bit. It's been like, what, seven years since then? So (laughs) (laughs) he's driven around a little bit, maybe more. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I mean, with how many times they've switched neighborhoods, I don't don't think that's likely. (laughs) It's also weird because it turns out to not be anywhere near the Staples Center because Larry gets lost. Because I guess he's not listening to the directions of the person. Everybody is screaming at Larry. The woman, I did like the woman screaming the directions at Larry and that he's not following directions and needs to turn left. And she had a good line where Larry said something like, well, I, I thought you said blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I heard you say, I thought, don't, stop thinking, don't think and just do what I say. I thought that was really good. John McEnroe eventually just kicks the family out on the side of the road. And Larry and John McEnroe continue on to their destination. I don't know what, uh, you know, what's going to happen to that family. There's like a, a dirty mattress there on the corner where they kicked him out. Uh, but we're not, we're never going to find out. That's, uh, that's the end of that family. So over at the Staples Center, which is still at 1111 South Figueroa Street in Los Angeles. It is, it of course, now Crypto.com Arena. Is it still, yeah. even though Crypto.com is like not a thing anymore? I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> from all my... 
brief I mean, research. Yeah. For, fortune does favor the brave. I know, I know, and and obviously it favors, you know, the naming contract, even if the company goes under. Uh, and John McEnroe does love the freak book that Larry gave him. He's still been flipping through it uh, as they've been showing up, and and Larry invites himself to a pre-party that John is going to. He's like, well, I, I mean, I, I knew we were going to make the show, but it was this pre-party that I want to go to. And Larry sort of invites himself up. You got an extra ticket? And he's like, what do you... At first, he's kind of, well, what do you mean? You're not going to come up to this party. He's like, oh, all right, whatever. And they are drinking it up. John McEnroe and Larry David are loudly flipping through the freak book in the middle of the party, just as boisterously as, you know, just interrupting everybody and causing a scene just as much as he and Jeff were. And in walks, presumably... Heather Mills. Now, Cheryl mentioned while they were talking about the party that Paul McCartney and Heather Mills, oh, they might get back together. And there's even a rumor that Heather Mills might be at the concert. And Larry uh, doesn't care about the celebrity gossip. But Heather Mills, I guess, walks in. and As as Larry and John McEnroe are saying, oh, my God, it's a pig nose. Look at the pig nose. And yeah, is and this look supposed at the to be a joke that is this supposed to be that Heather Mills has a pig nose? She's more, the joke? she's more hung up on, she says, who are you calling a freak, you bald fuck? Or something like that. So she thinks okay. that out of the 200 other people there, that they were talking about her, even though clearly she there's just a walked book. Up yeah, and she just walked up. And they clearly were looking at this book whenever they were talking very loudly. Yeah, no one, is, no one was looking at her. They were just saying, you know, freak or whatever. Let me look at, um, yeah, I have, this is also such a 2007 storyline as well i don't think heather mills has a pig nose she's got a very normal nose you i don't almost... even know who heather mills is so heather mills was married to paul mccartney for a little bit she was heather mills mccarthy or mccartney i mean um i think she has one leg yes okay yeah she only has one leg so if there was anything that she might think people were calling her a freak over by the way this was not the real if in case you had any doubt this was not the real Heather Mills voice. I checked mm-hmm. in the credits that it's actually, you know, it's some voiceover artist with a, uh, I guess, a British accent. But um, yeah, she lost her left leg below the knee in a, an accident. And so she, but, you know, despite she became a model and she started a relationship with Paul McCartney in 2000. They married in 02, separated in 06 and finalized their divorce in 08. So I guess in 2007, that's prime time for them to be separated. But for people to still go, ooh, they might be getting back together. So I, I don't know. This this is where the episode, like the the joke or whatever they were trying to do, really fell flat because it requires just like a lot, especially in the last episode. The lot the last episode required more leaps in suspension of disbelief than are appropriate, even for curb. But this one was like, there's two hundred people there. They weren't even looking at you. They're 50 yards from you when you walked in and you think they're saying the word freak and it's about you it's just a weird thing a weird jump to make as a viewer to to go that all makes sense but she does kick them out of the pre-party and this to me though was a funny funny scene where larry david dressed as a limo driver is fighting with john McEnroe as cheryl jeff and Susie drive by and stare at this like what the hell? What has Larry been up to? He's dressed like a limo driver. Yeah. And, He's fighting with assuming, tennis great John I'm McEnroe. Both of them got thrown out and were not able to go to the concert then, right? It sure seemed like it. I'd be willing but, to bet you could find a way I, to sneak I, back in. I bet in. Jeff, Susie, and Cheryl were able to. Definitely. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. We don't really find out, but I think they both got... I, I would. You would probably sneak back in because how would they 
<laughs> you know, let everybody know. Don't go back to the pre-party, but at least go to the show. But um, I thought John McEnroe did a funny job playing John McEnroe in this because he's like, you know, he was like the bad boy of tennis coming up and and very famous for his, you know, short fuse and explosive uh, temper and stuff like that. So I, I like the way they, they played into it where he's like kind of getting along and friendly with with Larry and they have, you know, sort of a relationship forming by the end of the, by the end of the night, like between picking him up at the airport and, and, uh, and getting kicked out. I I just liked the way they built that tiny little one-off relationship, but Larry goes to return the limo to Charlie's and Charlie's wife is in tears because her dad died and she's, you know, you know, really upset about, you know, we can't afford a funeral. I mean, where are we going to bury him? And that's when Larry thinks for a and goes, you know what? I think I can help you out. And Frolic starts to play, and that's the end of the episode. So you got to imagine Larry's going to give away him and Cheryl's cemetery plot to this woman's random drunk dad so that he'll be buried in between uh, Ted and Mary and Jeff and Susie for all eternity. <laughs> the ultimate revenge. Eternal the, revenge. The ultimate revenge. Larry doesn't know what he's going to do when he dies. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Tim, what do we got for homework this week? Uh, I wrote down Bono Phone. What, uh, what's okay. the deal with that? And Mondo Freaks. Is that book real? Okay. Or do they make up the title? <laughs> All right. What do you like for cover art this week? Uh, you know, I think it might be uh, it might be the, the HBO Max cover art, but Larry and Jeff on the couch cracking up at the freak book or Larry and John McEnroe on the couch cracking up about the freak book. I like both of those. Um, anything stick out to you? Um, I don't know, actually. There weren't too many, like, visual things with uh with the episode maybe larry and McEnroe getting thrown out of the staple center at the end yeah i mean there's a shot of there's definitely a shot of that with them like tussling with the security officers or whatever but there's also a shot of like presumably heather mills blurry dress in the foreground and larry and john McEnroe's like shocked faces looking at her um when she's you know yelling at them when she first gets there that might be good too there's some good options yeah a few good options I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do with either of those. Okay. All right, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had a book about freaks coupled with a chauffeur's incapacity sets Larry up for a string of ejections. So he gets kicked out of Ted's party, mm-hmm. and he gets kicked out of the McCartney show. Was there is there one that I'm missing, or is that it? I mean, I'm not saying I mean, two doesn't make a string, but... He, he gets uh, gets kicked out of Ted's party. Yeah. Um... He, in his own mind, he's getting kicked out of the burial plot. I was thinking, yeah. yeah. But, like, that's a problem that that he's creating. Yeah. Which is very Larry David. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean. The invisible argument in his own mind. (laughs) But but it still works. You can self-eject from from a situation. So, yeah, there's. um... Oh, by the way, speaking of getting kicked out of Ted's party, I totally forgot to mention. Did you recognize the party guest that says, oh, yeah, that, that goes to AIDS in Africa. Did you recognize that guy? No. That's Matt Besser, who is... Is it really? ...one of the founders of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Yeah. Oh, my God. Who I, I actually... <laughs> the only member of the Upright Citizens Brigade that I've ever met, because I told the story when we went to that uh, theater when I went to visit my buddy in New York, and, and he happened to be there. So that was uh, that was really cool. Somewhere a... Because this was pre... I'm sure I took it on like a disposable camera or something. Because this was like 99 or 2000. Um, so I don't even think I had a digital camera at that point. So there's a hard copy of this picture somewhere out. Maybe not. Maybe there is a... No, I can't remember. All right. I'll have to dig into my archives and see if I can find that. But <laughs> um, it's just weird that 
you know, so obviously as a man who started a world-renowned improv theater, it's just odd that we used him only in the way for him to like deliver a, a literal, like probably written line. Like, all right, someone's got to say this line that's written. It requires no improv experience at all. Oh, let's get yeah. Matt Besser. That's yeah. it. We'll get Matt Besser to do it. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so you can't use him again for anything else, probably. I mean, presumably it. it could be. Maybe you know, he'll be back later on in the show, but probably not. I would love it, but I agree with you. Probably not. <laughs> so, but as far as the description goes, I think it's okay because it is, it's the the freak book that, that sets him up to get ejected out of places and the limo driver. So... Uh, yeah, I would, do you think you'd change anything about it? I don't think I would. I I actually really like it. Yeah, yeah. I think we got to keep it. <laughs> I can't think of anything that I need to add or take away from it. All right, Tim. Did you like this episode? You know what? I, I it had a couple problems, but I I have to give it a star. I, it would be my number three wow. right now. Okay. It would be my number three right now if this was the end of the season. I think it, you know, it, it may hold on to that spot depending on the rest of the episodes, but it's another episode that I would show people if they wanted to know what Curb was all about. Because it shows Larry, it shows his selfishness and his selflessness in the same episode so perfectly. Because... It shows his selfish altruism in, you know, making sure the like being mad at the limo driver for being comfortable with doing nothing while they're, you know, doing his job while they're inside having fun. He knows that's what he signed up for. Um, wanting, you know, thinking that the bartender has a problem with the bow tie. He would rather not wear it, but again, understands it's what he's being paid for. But Larry, again, has to make it about himself and thinks that this guy is going to thank him once he gets rid of the bow tie or that the limo driver is going to thank him once he invites him inside to not take part in the party, even though the bartender does that of his own volition, um, but just to sit in the kitchen by himself, I guess, with the other service workers. I don't know. And maybe find some joy in that rather that better than sitting in the car. But the guy ends up, you know, obviously he has a, a problem. You know, when we show up to his home life, his wife, you know, knows that drinking is a problem for him. So, uh, you know, Larry didn't know that. And and sort of inviting him in led to that problem there. But it also shows his the selflessness that he gets nothing out of that I think anybody would do. I think anybody in Larry's situation, if the limo driver called and was like, Look, my wife's going to lose her health care. I'm going to lose my job if I don't pick up this VIP. So can you just do this for me? And Larry does it and acts like a limo driver and buys into, up oh, Charlie, the limo driver, that's me. He could have, it would have been in character for him to go, no, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to, park the limo at the next strip mall I see and just walk away and never talk to you again. Like that could have been well within his, you know, character, well within his character to do. But he does, I think what anybody would do is like, okay, fine. God, I guess I'm a limo driver for a second, even though I'm worth a billion dollars. <laughs> I've got to go pick somebody up and bring them to the concert that I'm going to, that I probably have a beautiful owner's box seat to go see at the LA Staples Center. And so, and he's getting nothing out of it. He's literally helping somebody by doing this, by putting himself out and, and going to pick up John McEnroe at the... So it's just such a great both sides of the Larry David coin. And it also shows, you know, his asshole side with the joke about the Bono phone in the party. It's just you get such a great overall look at the Larry David character. I think it's a pretty... That, that's the reason I had to star it. Just, okay. Just, yeah, for, for all of those reasons. What about you? Wow. I know. So I'm I'm actually really glad you went first and, and you, <laughs> you brought up the point of it being like quintessential curb your enthusiasm yeah. and and why this is such a great encapsulation of curb and of larry david Be and maybe this is just me you know 
showing my true colors and how I feel about this show in general. I thought this episode sucked shit. <laughs> why Why is that? Anything in particular? I just thought it was so boring. Maybe it just set the tone like early on of like, okay, Larry and the bartender just going on back and forth, back and forth. Of course, Larry's just creating problems for himself that weren't <laughs> problems to begin with. And That's true. And... <laughs> And I, I I guess like the the hole in the plot of why is this family getting into the limo and yeah. and is uh, no literally no one on earth while looking at a book of grotesque freaks would react the way that all three Larry Jeff and John Mac <laughs> John McEnroe are doing I'm like this episode is just too much on the absurd. Yeah. level for for me anyway i think no you know i thought that too as i was watching it and it made me think of the people who complain about the way that seinfeld went after larry left they were like oh it got too crazy and they got too unbelievable and it wasn't relatable anymore and then you watch curb and you're like no, no part well, of this episode no part is relatable uh, see, for I me think, anyway i thought the limo driver like i thought larry becoming the limo driver was because i could see myself in that situation begrudgingly doing it because I feel sorry for this guy. and But even even Larry wasn't begrudging. You know, like, the limo driver calls him and Larry immediate go, immediately goes, mm, okay, I'll do that. He does need to be talked into it. He does tell the guy he's not going to. And then that's when the guy really digs in. He's like, you know, I, 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 need, I really need this. You know, uh, and, and gives him all the reasons that his life will fall apart if, if this doesn't happen. And Larry, so Larry does have to be brought around by caring about another person, which is weird for Larry David. It wouldn't take too much for me to, to do it, but I'm not a rich asshole. <laughs> I'm a poor <laughs> asshole. Um, no, I think I'm a poor doormat. And so I would have I wouldn't have been needed even as much uh, cajoling as Larry David needed. But uh, the fact that he did it was like just really stuck out to me that we get both sides of the Larry David coin here. And I found myself I didn't get one big laugh, but I found myself smiling through a lot of the exchanges that were happening in this episode. They were just funny conversations all the way through without one giant punchline laugh in them. And I, I always appreciate that. I just had a good time watching the full episode. And I thought it was a good a good textbook example of, of how maybe how complex the show can be. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. This is why I like having differing opinions. Yeah. You yeah. know, this is why I like having like two different points of view on these episodes. Yeah. Because we agree more often than not. I mean, our top threes have been at least two out of three, if not three out of three, maybe not the right order, but we've had them very similar in common. So, but this one, um, you know, yeah, but, it, I mean, if, if, if the season were to end now, it sounds like this would be your, your number three. I, this won't, this won't be in my top five. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Do I have? Yeah. So the first two episodes I have starred, but then this is the, this is the third one. And I, I hesitate to even give it a star low, but I mean, maybe I should. I mean, I want to give it a full star, but I'm, I'm ready for it to be, get knocked off. Like, I don't feel like it even deserves a star low because I feel like it was such a good example of what curb, what curb is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, next week we have got season six, episode six, the rat dog. Original, I feel like Danny DeVito when I'm saying that. The rat dog. <laughs> Original air date, October 14th, 2007. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry tests the limits of sick sex. <laughs> Semicolon. Loretta and Leon's job prospects are burned by a slow toaster. Oh, wow. What a great turn of phrase. Burned by a slow toaster. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't remember that. I remember the six sex, which is kind of tough to say. It sounds like six cents, kind of. Well, whenever whenever I was doing uh, uh, speech to text for my notes, it typed it down as numbers six six. I'm like, well, all right, six six. Um, yeah, Larry tests the limits of six six. <laughs> Uh, I do remember that, so it'll be interesting to to revisit. But I don't remember the thing about the jobs and the getting burned by the toaster. Oh, literally, figuratively, I guess we'll have to find out. Um, so is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.